Commensalism. Commensalism is a type of symbiosis in which one organism benefits and the other one is neither harmed nor helped. One example of commensalism is the relationship between two kinds of insects, silverfish and army ants. Certain kinds of silverfish move along in permanent association with the marching columns of army ants and share the plentiful food caught in their raids. The army ants derive no apparent benefit or harm from the silverfish. Another example of commensalism is the relationship between a tropical tree and its aphids. Smaller plants such as mosses, orchids, and ferns that live attached to the bark of the tree's branches. The epiphyte anchors itself to the tree but does not obtain nutrients or water directly from the tree. <coughs> Excuse me. Its location on the tree enables it to obtain adequate light, water, as the rainfall dripping down the branches, and required nutrients, minerals, washed out of the tree's leaves by rainfall. Thus, the epiphyte benefits from the association, whereas the tree is apparently unaffected. Commensalism, living together, kind of like a roommate. One works with another to gain something, but neither is really hard. Most of the time, one's gaining something, while the other is neither harmed nor helped. Parasitism. Parasitism is a symbiotic relationship in which one member, the parasite, benefits and the other, the host, is adversely affected, harmed. The parasite obtains nourishment from its host, but although a parasite may weaken, its host is rarely kills. A parasite would have a dif difficult life if it kept killing off its host. Some parasites, such as ticks, live outside the host body. Other parasites, such as tapeworms, live within the host. Parasitism is a very successful lifestyle. More than a hundred parasites live in or on the human species alone. Since the 1980s, wild and domestic honeybees in the United States have been dying off. Although habitat fragmentation and pesticide use have contributed to the problem, tracheal mites and layer varroa mites have, are a major reason for the honeybee decline. The number of commercial colonies have fallen by about 50%, 50% during the past several decades. In the United States, honeybees annually pollinate more than 90% food fiber and seed crops valued at 14.6 billion and produce about 124 million dollars worth of honey so their decline is a major threat to u.s agriculture beginning in 1999 beekeepers in several states in cooperation with the u.s department of agriculture have tested russian honeybees for pollination and honey production Preliminary results indicate that the Russian bees are very resistant to mites and can tolerate cold winters better than American bees. Thus, Russian bees are tougher. When a parasite causes disease and sometimes the death of a host, it is called a pathogen. A pathogen causes disease and kills the, and maybe even kills the host. Crown gall disease, which is caused by a bacterium 
occurs in many different kinds of plants and results in millions of dollars worth of damage each year to ornamental and agricultural plants. Crown gall bacteria, which also live on dictus detrictus, organic debris in the soil, enter plants through small wounds such as those caused by insects. They cause gals, tumor-like growths, often a plant's crown that is between the stem and the roots. At or near the soil surface, although plants seldom die from the crown gal disease, they're weakened, grow more slowly, and often succumb to other pathogens. Predation. Predation is the consumption of one species, the prey, by another, the predator. Predation includes both animals eating other animals and animals eating plants. Predation has resulted in an arms race with the co-evolution of predator strategies, more efficient ways to catch prey, and prey strategies, better ways to escape the predator. A predator that is more efficient at catching prey exerts a strong selective force on its prey, and over time the prey species may evolve come some sort of um, countermeasure that reduces the probability of being captured. The countermeasure, acquired by the prey in turn, may act as a strong selective force on the predator. We now consider several adaptations that are related to predator-prey interactions. These include predator strategies, pursuit and ambush, and prey strategies, plant defenses and animal defenses. Keep in mind as you read these descriptions that such strategies are not quote-unquote chosen by the respective predators or prey. New traits arise randomly in a population as a result of changes in genetic material or deoxyribonucleic acid, DNA. Some new traits may be beneficial, whereas others may be harmful or have no effect at all. As a result of natural selection, beneficial strategies or traits persist in a population because such characteristics make the individuals that possess them well-suited to thrive and reproduce. In contrast, characteristics that make the individuals that possess them poorly suited to their environment tend to disappear in a population. smallest to largest. Atoms, molecules, cells, tissue, organs, body systems, organism, population, community and ecosystem, landscape, biosphere. Now, largest to smallest. Biosphere, landscape, community, ecosystem, population, organism, body system, organ, tissue, cell, molecule, atoms. Now on to energy and life. Energy, the capacity or ability to do work. Forms, chemical energy, stored in chemical bonds of molecules. An example of this is food. Radiant solar energy, transported from the sun 
An example of this, electromagnetic waves. Heat energy, thermal energy that flows from an object with a higher temp to one with a lower temp. The source to sink. Mechanical energy, the movement of matter. Nuclear energy, inside atomic nuclei. Electrical energy, flows as charged particles. Energy, usually expressed as units of work, kj, or units of heat energy, kcal. 1 kcal equals 4.184 kj. It can exist as potential energy or kinetic energy. Energy can change forms. Study of energy and its transformations is thermodynamics. Thermodynamics, some lingo, system, refers to the object being studied. Surroundings are, you guessed it, the surroundings. Three types of systems, closed system, open system, isolated. Does that exist? Note, systems are relative to what you're studying. Closed system. The sun tries to enter, but it is blocked and reflected back into the atmosphere. Open system. Sunlight and energy gets in, heats the water, and is released, but faintly and weaker. Now, what are the laws of thermodynamics? The first law of thermodynamics is energy cannot be created or destroyed, but it can be transformed. The energy of a system and its surroundings is always constant. Energy can flow in and out of the system, but overall, the entire system's energy remains the same. How is it transformed? Well, an example is, chemical energy is stored in food, and it's transformed into mechanical energy, how we move. What is equilibrium? Well, you put five units of energy in, and you're a large man, you have energy storage of one unit, well, then you're using four units of energy. That's biology. In physics, potential energy equals 10 units, while kinetic energy equals zero, of a rock at the top of a hill. The rock is dropped. In the air, the potential energy is seven units. The kinetic energy is three units. That means it still has to use seven more units in the air. The second law of thermodynamics is when energy is transformed, some usable energy is lost to the environment as heat. Less usable energy is more diffused and disorganized. Entropy, measure of disorder, randomness, organized, usable energy goes down on entropy. Disorganized, unusable energy raises entropy, heat. This is because entropy is the measure of disorder or randomness. So, if it's disorganized and unusable energy, of course it's going to be more random. Entropy is always increasing over time. No process requiring energy transformation is ever 100% efficient. Much of it is dispersed as heat. Example, automotive, automobile engine 
Is 20% to 30% efficient. Organisms are highly organized, and as they grow, they remain organized. Why doesn't this refute the second law? Well, to keep a room clean takes a little bit of energy over time, but to use your room as a messy room, then it doesn't take any energy to get it messy, but it takes a lot of energy at one time to clean the room. Now, one more time. Somebody that cleeps the room just a little clean over time puts in less energy in the end. One more time. Somebody with a clean room puts a little bit of energy in to keep that room clean. But somebody with a messy room doesn't put any energy in until the end and ends up using more energy. Now, Photosynthesis and cellular respiration. They are one big cycle. 6 CO2 plus 12 H2O plus radiant energy equals C6H12O6 plus 6 H2O plus 6 O2. This is the formula for photosynthesis. The formula for cellular respiration is flipped. C 6H12O6 plus 6H2O plus 6O2 equals energy plus 6CO2 plus 12H2O. Now, in terms for us to understand, glucose plus water plus oxygen equals energy plus CO2 plus water. This is cellular respiration. Now, photosynthesis is 6CO2 plus 12 water plus radiant energy, aka the sun's energy, creates glucose plus water plus oxygen. You may want to get a pen and pad out for this next part as we're going to cover the productivity of producers. We know that energy can be converted from one form to another and solar energy is acquired and transferred by living organisms. But what is primary productivity? Primary productivity is the rate at which solar energy, sunlight, is converted into organic compounds via photosynthesis over a unit of time. Well, let's hear that back one more time. Primary productivity is the rate at which solar energy, sunlight, is converted into organic compounds via photosynthesis over a unit of time. So it's how fast do our producers, or our primary producers, aka our grasses, plants, or anything that can use photosynthesis as a way to make food, create it as quickly as possible. They will have the highest PP primary productivity. Now, gross primary productivity, GPP, the total rate of photosynthesis in a given area. But plants must respire to use that energy for metabolic processes. So, the plant's respiration acts as a drain on its photosynthesis. What was that? One more time. Gross primary productivity, GPP, the total rate of photosynthesis in a given area. But 
plants must respire to use that energy from metabolic processes. So, the plant's respiration acts as a drain on its photosynthesis, using all its food for processes it, that it needs. NPP, net primary productivity. The rate of energy storage by photosynthesis in a given area after subtracting energy loss to respiration. NPP, net primary productivity. The rate of energy storage by photosynthesis in a given area after subtracting energy loss to respiration. What's the equation for this? NPP equals GPP minus R subunit little p. And what does that mean? Well, net primary productivity, the plant growth per unit area per unit time, equals GPP, gross primary productivity, or the total photosynthesis per unit area per unit time, minus R subunit little p, plant respiration per unit area per unit time. So, one more time on that. NPP equals GPP minus PR, or R little p. What does this mean? Net primary productivity equals gross primary productivity minus plant respiration, or plant growth per unit area per unit time equals total photosynthesis per unit area per unit time minus per unit area per unit time. So, NPP really just equals total photosynthesis. NPP equals GPP minus RP. I hope you've got that. Now let's get a better look at what GPP and NPP really are. Well, only the energy represented by NPP is available for consumers. And remember, we can only use a portion of it. The Earth's total NPP is the upper limit determining the plant's carrying capacity for all species. GPP and NPP are expressed as energy per unit area per unit time, kcal m squared years. Dry weight is expressed as g-carbon m squared years. But how can we really grasp GPP and NPP? Well, in a money standpoint, GPP is all the revenue that a business turns in. NPP is what's left when we subtract cost of labor, uh, marketing, anything that it costed to get us this revenue. Now back to energy, GPP is, let's say, 100000 for an ecosystem. The plant respiration is 25000 Well, when you take out the unit area and the unit time, you're left with 75,000. And this is what's left as the MPP. I hope this makes a little more sense. I know at first this was really tricky. If you need to go back and listen, go for it. I will be right here.
let's get a better look at NPP and how it's really used for the things around it. Well, you know, NPP varies from ecosystem to ecosystem. Those with the highest being estuaries, tropical rainforest, swamps and marshes. These being about 2,000 kcal m squared years more than the closest taiga savanna agricultural land. Going all the way down to much below this, going 1,500 instead of at least 4,000. The desert, the open ocean, the tundra, the desert scrub have much less MPP. And why is this? Well, in areas like estuaries, swamps, and marshes, there's a lot of vegetation, a lot of primary producers, creating a lot of energy, harnessing the sun's energy to create photosynthesis and stuff that we can use. In the desert, the only thing that's really producing anything is cacti, and they're only really producing canteens for themselves. So it's much harder for the MPP to carry. That's why less survive in the open ocean or tundras or extreme deserts and things thrive in estuaries, swamps, and tropical rainforests. Let's get a better look at how to use these in real life. So the first formula we're going to use is NPP equals GPP minus RP. And the numbers we have are GPP equals 24,000, RP equals 9,200, and we're solving for NPP. Now, to solve for this, we take the GPP, 24,000, and subtract 9,200, the plant respiration, to gain the NPP. I'll give you a second to do this. Do you have the answer? 14,800. Good job. Do you have units on there? Oh yeah? What are they? If you said KCAL M2 squared, years, you got it. <laughs> All right, now let's try a little harder one. Net ecosystem productivity equals NPP minus consumer respiration. Now this is one you haven't heard, but don't be confused because you'll usually be given it. We just have to know how to use it. So, you just caught the NPP and you've already been given the consumer respiration, which is 800. The NPP was 14,800. 14, how do we get NEP? Do you remember what I said? Go back if you do not and solve. You'll be given a second. 14,800 minus 800 is 14,000, giving us our NEP. Now, how do we realize or how do we find the net ecosystem respiration? Well, to do that, we have to add our respiration P, plant respiration, plus our respiration C, consumer respiration. The numbers again for that are RP equals 9,200 and RC equals 800. Are we given a second to do it? What's the total respiration? If you said 10,000, you got it. I think we're getting a better understanding for this. Let's move on to another unit. 
This has been a lot of review for one day. I think this is a good stopping point. I've enjoyed you being with me, and I hope you've gained a lot of information. I'm sorry that it seems that I'm a little (laughs) under the weather or tired. It is two in the morning, but I think that this is helpful information, and I need it. So I will be playing it while I sleep, and I hope you do as well. Um, but yeah, enjoy. Play it on loop.